just doing the we're doing the first five hall deckers. Yeah. Uh, That's right. Yeah. 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 The halls and the back half of the hall. Um, no fall. Welcome to non fall out fall in podcast, aka Avid Al's scene. It's a bit of a stretch. Non fall edition, just in time to celebrate MES's 65th birthday on this planet. Rest in peace. We shall not mention you again this evening, aka. It's better to be self-indulgent than Eric Clapton indulgent. As we go beyond the remit and play some tunes that might be this or any other nation's saving grace. Joined as always by the doubled face god Janus, and now the most popular form of childcare in Australia, Michelle Pippington Beard. How are you? Surviving, man. Surviving the turmoil of everyday life. Oh, could be worse. Or maybe it couldn't. I don't know. Who am I to say? And over there, um, Lord Sage Temple, stand up tall mass of Manhattan, stand up beautiful hills of Brooklyn. The sap has risen. Excellent. And the Pemberton Walker on the solvents, that great Rejvani vehicle. On the solvent and on mute. On the solvents on holiday. There we go, yeah. I'm back. I'm here. I'm in the room and on the solvents and on holiday and uh, doing a lot of decorating and boning those little uh, wavy arm Chinese cats. Oh, well, it's all go, isn't it? No Tim 3 tonight. He has been burned continuously in the Karakum Desert as bright orange flames rise out of his eternal abyss. Uh, and myself, Treebeard's the host, vomiting, diarrhea, severe lethargy and significant aggression. But um, today, totally different, totally off-road. Alistair is a gold mime. He's a, he's a mime that's been spray painted gold of music. And he's going to play some tracks and we're going to talk about them and then we'll play a bit of a game. And Phil and Ezra and even myself might play some tracks too. Here we go. Amateurs! Welcome to the Terror Dome. Yeah, trust me. Think I'll next fight. Sure, 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 sure. 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 Sure
bad man shall be a killer Sleep with a machine gun and done the killer When the bad man is a come to the core You know when they say they stand in a hardcore Hey, you say for the love of second last school When they say broke up all your skull going poor Come to a prison and just jump from two
to. Help me, he whispered as he rose slowly to his feet. The boy's face went pale. He recognized the sound. Silently, he pulled down the shade against the shadow. Lost in the doorstep of the empty house. I'm trying to find my way home. I'm sorry. There, there we have Alistair. Correct me if I'm wrong. We got Thing Sing with the B Army's coming. And then we had the, the bug and Daddy Freddy run the place red. Spanish flea from the George Garabedian players, Kling Clang, Heavydale, and finishing up with the family favorite, Slint. Good morning, Captain of Spiderland. Tell us, Alistair. Tell us. Well, it's weird being asked to sort of uh, put something forward for people to listen to because generally people have got absolutely no interest whatsoever in the uh, stuff that entertains me. But yeah, there's some fun stuff on there. There's uh, some fairly silly stuff, some fairly serious sounding stuff. Which one did we start with? Was the Korean one, Thing Sing, or one day I can't quite work out what their name is because it's already in Korean. It's uh, Lin Alchi. Okay. Yeah. Can't really tell you a great deal about it because uh, the CD that I've got just here, yeah, it's all in Korean. And uh, unfortunately, I've, uh, I've only uh, learned it to count to five, I think. Uh, and that was many years ago, and I've got it to do it. So, yeah, they've got a bit of a, like a groove, some a pop groove, but they're, they're taking the, the sort of like traditional, uh, a bit like a, you know, like Chinese opera, uh, folk, Korean style singing, and uh, employing that in it. And uh, at times, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it works really well. Uh, like it, one of my favourites from uh, from last year. Yeah, your um, your Andy who's been on the podcast put me on to them, and I was I listened to quite a chunk of the, the stuff because they've been around for a while, haven't they? But they've they kind of mm. hit it over the last twelve months or so, I think, haven't they? In terms of like the Western European market, I, I love that. It's it's such a different style, isn't it? In terms of like the the, the breakbeat and stuff is is pretty standard, but the the narrative kind of storytelling and the the dare I say vocal interplay that goes on within the song <laughs> is really really entertaining. I haven't got the foggiest what they're singing about, but it sounds fantastic. It's really engaging. Yeah, it's a bit the, uh, the well the, the title the LP um, again. I think that it must be all part of telling a story because it's a tiger is coming, catch a rabbit, a fish map. You know who I am. Uh, tiger's third leg. You're just a tiny bunny. Crying soft shell turtle. A magic pocket. They sound Did like the local song titles, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of um, alternative to that kind of music. It's usually wives complaining about their husbands or vice versa. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, what else is there to talk about at the end of the day, right? It was a good <laughs> performance piece, so the video, which, you know, anyone who's listening, I'll, I'll put a link to this playlist in, in the notes. But uh, the video is, I mean, great. I don't know how many of those uh, people are in the band or whether it's a specific performance, but it was an awesome. Uh, Did uh, you like that? I thought it was, it undersold them a little bit. I thought they deserved something better than that. It, it just felt a bit like watered down Michelle Gombe to me. It was a bit more abstract. Like they're not really jumping and flying around like uh, Michael Clark might have done with our, with our favorite band. But um, 
they were kind of hiding in the background a bit, but I thought that by kind of like that mysterious thing, they weren't really dancers. I didn't really know what they were doing. I, I, it's the first time I've seen them that because I've only read about them and I, I knew there was quite a few, well, obviously with all the, the vocal stuff going on, you know, there's there's a few singers there. But um, I, I got the impression they were actually older than they were, which more like some um i guess folk singers that have been doing that for a while and then have joined up with some like younger musicians to, to put a different flavor to it it reminds me it uh, makes me think a little bit of the uh, henry cow slap happy kind of stuff where it's that and, and obviously it's a different tradition but you know slap happy are taking the european kind of avant-garde kind of stuff and, and filtering it through pop and these uh these uh this group's taking korean i guess korean traditional music and, and bringing it in so it's got that same kind of weirdly doesn't quite fit but it's got this uh really appealing edge to it to me i was kind of like it's almost like they're trying to cover cannonball by the breeders and seventh, seventh chamber by the wu-tang clan at the same time great <laughs> i think that's an excellent idea we won't have a lot of time to talk through every track in, in detail, but there's the bug track, which is, you know, love the bugs, heavy stuff. There was that really wacky Spanish flea version. Uh, and Kling Clang, are they a Scouse band? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, guy. Drummer called Alistair. Nice guy. Oh, nice guy. And then, and then obviously we, we probably know the Slint one, but did any of the others jump out at you, the bug or the, the Spanish flea, the Kling Clang? I love the, I love the fact that they marketed the Spanish flea song by putting the awful trumpet of Harry, whatever his name is, <laughs> the so that can... was the selling point. Doing Les Dawson before Les Dawson. It might have been awful, but he was, you know, like his timing was quite good. I thought. I mean, we still can't follow the timing. <laughs> All the right notes, just not in the right order. I'm, I'm full of all for him, so you know. So I remember meeting Al once in the street, and he had like a, a record that he bought from like a, a charity shop, and he was going on about how he, they, they have to record them all in like an afternoon, so there's all the mistakes. It's still left in there i think this is one step beyond that but this is like he loved it the fact that he got like some those top of the pops albums right where they did covers of and, and, and all the mistakes are in because they only get one one take at it oh it's where yeah. they didn't have copyright for the songs isn't it and they used to re-record and put a top of the pops album out there's covers yeah yeah I, th I think that lp you're on about might have been a tawana one so let's why don't we move on to the game part so everyone's brought one song that they're going to put up against one of the songs of hal's selected 15 uh songs but ezra you're up first tell us what you brought and what would you like to put it up against? Um, I brought uh, Richard's Hairpiece, which is a remix of The uh, Devil's Haircut by Beck, uh, by Aphex Twin. Nice. And do you have something you'd like to put it up against off this list, or do you want to throw a random... I would put it up against the uh, Beck track, Little Drum Machine Boy. All right. Well, let's have a listen to both of those, and then we get to decide which one stays on the list. <laughs> Kisses from the leper's faces Yeah. 
some Hanukkah science. Devil's Haircut Remix by the Aphex Twin up against uh, Beck B-side, the little drum machine boy. Phil Rigby, I'm coming to you first because you have no horse in this race. But uh, which of those two would you keep on the list and why? Well, I, I wasn't that impressed with the drummer boy one, to be honest with you. It's not really, I think there's better Beck stuff where he gets that vibe going. So I, I think Ezra's uh, track goes through by default for me personally. It's, and plus I enjoy it. That's the first time I've heard that. It's I've not heard any FX Twin remake. Um, is that the only one he's done of Beck? As far as I know. I do like Beck. It's, you, can do, you can do better than that, Beck. You can do better than that. Yeah, it's a Christmas song, isn't it? And he's kind of forced that, I mean, the humour of him forcing those lyrics into that tune. And then he drops into that very Wu-Tang middle section that sounds quite nice. I kind of like it. Alistair, Little Drum Machine Boy was on your playlist, but are you keeping it or are you going to shunt it off in favour of the oh, effort? Well, we'll go for the FS Twin one, I think, because it's, uh, well, I was asked to pick out from, it was all the songs that have been put on the WhatsApp group. It was just like pick a selection for, you know, so I did. And uh, for balance, I just chucked that in there. It's uh, one that somebody else had picked and I thought, yeah, fair play. Yeah. Um, Ezra, obviously you brought this devil's her piece to the table, but tell us more. Well, when it comes to Beck, this may not be a popular opinion, but I feel like he just fell off the wagon after Mellow Gold. And I don't think he's done much. I mean, you know, I bought a few of his albums after that and I kind of liked them, but yeah, you know, like I don't listen to them anymore. So <laughs> yeah, and that little drum machine boy is just derivative and sloppy as far as I'm concerned. The only good thing about it is the vocoder and vocoders are always good. You know, like it, it could have just been a loop of the vocoder part uh, for seven minutes and I would have happily nodded along to that but like derivative Wu-Tang ripoff sample poor MCing even by his fairly low standards uh, tedious drum loop it, it was just arse I thought and Aphex Twin you know is fucking pretty unbeatable and that is I mean as far as I'm concerned Beck should have just sent all his tunes to Aphex Twin after Mellow Gold and let him remix them and if they'd have all sounded like that I probably would have bought the albums Fair enough I I heard a story about Aphex Twin where he, he did that album called 26 Remixes for Cash and apparently on somebody and I can't remember if it was this one he hadn't done it 
and they, they turned up at the door to to um to pick it up and he literally just took a track yard and just slapped over the top of the original gave it to them and then took his 10 grand paycheck and uh, that might be what's happened here but it was nice one it was good he came all guns blazing. and i like the fact he kept mixing back lower and lower in the mix as the track went on as well i think that was um, the Lemonheads or madonna can't remember which. yeah that Lemonheads one maybe i think it was yeah it's like 10 grand there you go he just gives him a track he already is he's already done he's a, he's a character isn't he that uh that richard james i'll bring your stuff into play now then if you uh if you're okay ezra I'll- Did I mention I have to let my team of flotation device nice and see digitally 
master themselves and be materialize the essence. Here we come. Flotation is a flotation. I'm holding nations. So we had uh, Jojo Takayanagi live at the Moors Festival and uh, Cannibal Ox, Metal Gear, and Yeule, Pretty Bones. Ezra, talk to us. Yeah, uh, well, to start with the Takayanagi thing, like um, I picked that because I've been listening to a bit of his stuff recently after not having listened to any for a long time. For those who don't know, he was a pretty infamous, I suppose you would say, uh, free jazz guitarist in, I guess, around the kind of 70s and 80s. And I got back into his stuff recently because a friend of mine picked up a book called Aspirations of Madness, which has interviews with artists. Um, and it had the only ever interviews printed with this fella. And he's such a fucking iconoclast it's hilarious he's just coming out with all this stuff like i don't believe that any other japanese musicians or any japanese musicians can ever really understand what jazz is since uh 1960 something i'm probably you know hideously misrepresenting his actual views here but it's just hilarious to read and so I was listening to it, and it was the first time in a while that I've listened to a guitar player, and I've been like, yeah, fuck, I've, I've got no idea how he's doing that, how he's making those sounds, you know, I've got no idea what he's doing. The uh, instrumental interplay, it, it, like that kind of free jazz, that kind of free playing to me, it's like watching writing write itself, if you understand what I mean. It, it, there's something really quite exquisitely beautiful about it in my mind the cannibal ox one is for me is the easiest one to get a handle on i'd have to listen to that uh, to that jazz track a few times i think because it's uh, to be honest with you i wasn't i didn't even pick up on the fact that there was a guitar on the record which kind of uh, highlights the point that you're making i guess <laughs> if that's kind of what you're listening for um i'm not the world's biggest free jazz fan i'm a bit um narrow-minded with the jazz that i listen 
listen to. I'm very focused on the bebop stuff, really. And anything, any any of the freer stuff, I, I struggle to get a handle on it. I, I need an in with that kind of music. And uh, I'm not sure what it is at the moment in terms of uh, that particular piece. But um, but I'd be willing to give it a few more listens. What was the other? Oh, you, that U-L-E or U-L-E, U-L-E or? yeah, yeah, I think so. It reminded me a bit of sort of played and that that style of electronica um I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the breathy vocal thing that was going on but i did like the production on it the, the noises were lovely and the, the sense of uh minimalism was was really enjoyable yeah nice nice uh, video as well pretty um evocative and yeah nice production that still um, that you've finished it on is is, is quite amazing those uh, those rotten melons look beautiful in, in that setting don't they <laughs> Yeah, and um, the Cannibal Ox, a g- great band from like the 2000s. Uh, they're on Def Jux, which was uh, kind of an indie label. And it's interesting because the guy who was rapping the Vaudel, like he, I, the other guy, Vaster, he, he's, I really like his stuff. He's a very good rapper, really good. It doesn't go into that experimental hip hop realm too much where it's kind of like unlistenable, or whatever. It's still definitely hip hop, but it's in that kind of indie. Uh, in the hip hop scene, it's, it's really cool. Um, how about you? Are any of those jump out that Takayanagi or um, kind of a lot for you, LA? Very good. Do you like the, the free jazz stuff? So, uh, anything that, uh, especially stuff that sounds like animal torture, um, you know, if it sounds like you're kicking an elephant down the, a mountain whilst torturing cats and shaking up a big uh, jar of bees, then that's good in my books. Um, it reminded me a bit of like our ensemble of uh, ensemble of Chicago, um, Lester Bowie, with a guy like a dog Quartess, um, Brotsman, Peter Brotsman. Yeah, that's a guy. That's um, him, right? Thing the horns are mixed so high in that that Takayanagi stuff. It's like Phil said, I can't really hear the guitar. Everything the horns were like everything. That was the yeah, that was the, the the standout thing for me. The thing that I, I kind of like picked up on the most. Uh, but for talking with the mixing, I thought that you know the Cannibal Ox did. The vocals were just way too loud on it, and you know there was probably something good going on in the background that was kind of losing its impact as a result of it. But yeah, that last one was really nice. I did like that. I'll have to uh, check out more. A nice production with those soft vocals, but yeah, that kind of the detailed and delicate kind of production that has some of that warp stuff kind of on it as well. It'd be great to hear it on headphones because I'm just listening to it it through the phone. So uh, Thanks for sharing those. Esri's done one. He'll come back soon, I think. But in the meantime, let's go on to the second uh, one. This is a track I've brought. Uh, I'm going to put it up against, um, maybe unwisely, I'm going to put it up against the uh, folk song by Bongwater. And I've brought one by uh, called Why Do I Cry by Margot Gurian. in Tompkins Square Park He was an angry man spitting words so dark He called for death to rich men Death to yuppies too Death to art bags, bourgeois blacks Death to landlord Jews Kill the bankers, kill the cops Kill him, her and me Kill them all for CBS, NBC, ABC TVN, CNN, HBO, Live at Five, MTV, Street Break, Party Weekend, Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Geraldo, Woodrow, Arsenio, Regis, and Kathy. And I said, 
other utterly naive and early and during adolescent qualities and I bet you can keep it up all night can't you but I Do I cry on a Sunday morning after Saturday night? With such a wonderful night, I should be glad. Be glad that I could spend one night a week with you. Why do I cry when I have my coffee after you disappear? It seems like almost a year. For the straight laced option and just brought a nice pop tune i knew there'd probably be lots of wacky stuff going on but this was just a really sweet tune that i heard a while back and, and really stuck out and although i like that bong water that power of posse album it's great and the folk song it's just a bit on the nose for me it's um it, there's some humor in there but um it's more of a one listen one alistair uh, Margot Gurian, Why Do I Cry, or Bongwater's uh, folk song, where you coming down? Well, um, Bongwater, clearly, <laughs> uh, for me anyway. It's it's a long song, uh, para, uh, um, folk song, but it's it's bloody hilarious, and it? it's, it's all about life, sex, drugs, religion, you know, like consumerism, politics, you name it, it's in there. It just covers so much. And at the end of it, it kind of just comes to the conclusion, like, you know, do whatever you want to. I think it's bloody genius. You know, they're like slipping Led Zeppelin riffs and stuff like that when they were mentioned. All just chucked in there that make it quite an interesting tune. And the, uh, was it called Why Don't I Cry? Oh, sorry, why, why Do I Cry? Yeah, yeah, Why Do I Cry, yeah. It was a really nice pop song. Um, you know, well written, it just it, a bit, well, compared to, to the Bong Water one, it's very polite and very kind of uh, pedestrian. <laughs> it is it's nice so she was uh yeah this was like a set of demos so i think she only released a couple of singles in the 60s and then like disappeared and went off and uh, became like a music teacher but she did do some stuff with ornette coleman and don cherry at some point in the in the late 50s but obviously this is a, a long way from that a bit it reminded me a little bit of nico um not quite chelsea girls like but you know it's the a, music's got a bit of that vibe the same kind of like back and the flutes were, were nice and stuff nice instrumentation uh phil which way do you go on this uh, debate 
I think I might be in danger of upsetting both of you with my comments because it's Margot. I, I do like Margot Gurriana, but it's it's not even the best song on that album. That that twenty seven demos one. I, I think there's um, under my umbrella for me is the yeah, one yeah. in chalk off that album. I think it's absolutely amazing. So it's, uh, if you'd have picked that one, mate, I'd have probably voted for it. Um, and likewise with um, the Bongwater track, Power of Pussy is a is a great album, and um, it's also got an amazing cover of the drum by slap happy on it which I, I think is one of the best things on that album i would much rather listen to slap happy doing it personally uh than the cover the drum was on um, too much sleep was it it's yeah. uh, not my bong water albums though then. It's, uh, possibly enough. too much possibly too much bong water then um well, top draw band though a lot of great stuff and this is not uh, not their usual fur but yeah which side you're falling so I think I'm probably going to go for the Bong Water track purely and simply because uh, I remember the first time listening to that being in uh, Al's house. And uh, it's, I'm going with the nostalgia vote. Very nice. my umbrella. Well, maybe we'll get that next time. It's a good tune and sweet. So up next, Phil, I'm going to hand over duties to you. And uh, you want to play us a couple of your tracks? Yeah, I can do. So I, I was talking to you recently about um, just a little thing I was doing for my own amusement, really. We've got this uh, the deep dive into the 70s stuff. Whilst we're just being overly indulged, self-indulgent today, um, I've, I'm a bit of a movie buff, but um, I've got a bit of a penchant for what uh, in academia gets called parasin, but what I would call trash um, and B-movies and the like, as well as, as uh, cinema. But I, I read a book um, a number of years ago now by a guy called Pete Toombs which is basically all about the sex and horror cinema of, the, of Europe in the 70s and uh, there's a few three or four essays in the really in-depth reviews of some quite unique directors that I'm, I'm sure you'll all have heard of Jesus Franco or Jess Franco the Spanish guy made something like 500 movies in his career and was a, a pretty incredible character but the the director that really stood out for me was Jean Roland who's a French guy who's probably most famous for doing a series of lesbian vampire films in the 70s She's really, really underselling him because he's he was a real talent, this guy, and he had his own vision in terms of what he wanted to do. And it was right in the middle of the kind of um, new wave of French cinema and Godard and all this kind of thing. But he didn't want to make movies like that. He wanted to make these really baroque, artistic, surreal films. Um, that were perhaps much more influenced by um, Bunel and those kind of directors. Um, but he, in doing, in following his dream, he managed to uh, upset everybody because the horror fans didn't like his films because they were too arsy and the art fans didn't like his films because they had too much, uh, too many boobs in them, basically, and uh, these, these kind of vampire tropes. He, he, he had uh, peaks and troughs, I think, in terms of his uh, uh, success with those things, um, which meant that when the opportunity to uh, make some money on the sides, making blueies, basically came up, that he opted for that and, and uh, made a number of films under the name Michel Gentil. My, my drive originally was looking for soundtracks from the 70s that sounded like the stuff that was uh, that was in these types of movies, really, the Roland and the Franco type films. So the first track that I was going to play is from one of them. It's Roland's first attempt at doing a blue movie, which is from 1973, which is the uh, unoriginal title of Schoolgirl Hitchhikers. 
But I love this piece of music. I think it's absolutely amazing. theme to schoolgirl hitchhikers from like 1973 so what i started to do was to go i think it was actually to source who did that tune that i went on to discogs and started um this rather insane journey into european avant-garde and soundtrack music from the 70s um, mainly from italy and france and also germany and holland and looking at perhaps a different slice of music that you normally get to listen to from the 70s. So we're, we're all fans of Krautrock and Comish music and that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I think some of these might, might do it for you. The, the next one that I wanted to play is actually from 1979, and it's from a film called Stridulum, which was issued in England as The Visitor. And it's basically um, a retelling of the Bible as a science fiction, much like Highlander 2, actually. Highlander 2 had taken the Bible as its main reference point and how Yahweh and Satan are fighting each other across the galaxy. And this is uh, Yahweh's theme when he actually rocks up, as played, uh, if I remember rightly, by Maxwell Sido. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy ass film and the special effects are low budget, but amazing where they've put a lot of effort into it. And uh, I think if God rocked up to this incidental music, we would all sit up and probably pay attention.
when you're watching that film, they know they're on for a winner with that tune because it drops in about every 15 minutes in the film. It's uh, it's well used. So this is what kind of fuels my deep dive into this into this music. And what also started cropping up is some of those like field recordings. There's quite a big bank of Italian stuff, which is just library stuff, and I. I want to give a shout out to the Italian guitarist, Alessandro Alessandroni, who I know Al should know because not only is he the guitarist from uh, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly and all those uh, Ennio Morricone soundtracks, he's also the whistler as well. And I just, I really, 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 really want to push his name because his stuff is amazing to listen to. But I'm not actually going to play one of his tunes now as my third one. I'm going to play a tune that kind of came out of that same genre of library recordings just because I love this tune I think it's great it's called The Turf by Giuliano Seguin self-indulgent selection beautiful i really like that last one as well as a minimal hammond kind of workout but they're all uh excellent choices cheeky cheeky uh vibes and some uh some big lush orchestration alistair what do you make of those three all very nice aren't they yeah you can tell that they're uh, from soundtracks because they do sound very soundtracky so they're, they're gonna have that but yeah they had some beautiful stuff coming out of like cinecita to like the big italian sort of uh film industry from the, the 60s and 70s uh, and yeah there, there's so much to discover of that stuff because I've just got like a couple of compilations of stuff in the odd like soundtrack LP but yeah the, the amount of musicians that were involved in that were churning out some absolutely amazing stuff can't remember what's the name the guy who wrote the theme from the cantina and uh, Star Wars because he, he was Italian jazz sort of soundtracky guy but I know the tune but I don't know the composer <laughs> yeah, he also wrote Mina Mina. Yeah, but um, he's, he's worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, I'm sort of some lovely stuff there. I did like the, the, the last one, though. There's a nice groove going to it. Sound of the guitar, just keeping the rhythm, and yeah, the, the sort of the, the Hammond uh, in the background filling out the sound a little bit, you know. Uh, but you had that kind of like tension to it that you, you, you expect from a, a soundtrack where it's kind of like backing up a scene where the, you know, it's got to, you know, match the tempo of it. Very good. Should have got that fella from earlier because he. Uh... 
You had a good sense of time. As for what did those tracks do for you, if anything? Oh, they did plenty. Um, yeah, I think the last one was head and shoulders above the rest. But um, yeah, it, you know, it, it's super interesting and nice to hear uh, Jean Rollins getting a name drop. I'm a big fan of any movies, especially if they're from B to Z grade. And it's interesting, you know, like thinking about this because we're in we're in a kind of a paradigm now where they've kind of taken the infantile plots of B movies and turned them into superhero films, but taken out all of the good stuff. And now all we're left with is the fucking shit, you know. And so, you know, I quite like Ant-Man too. I'm sure you do, Brendan. I'm sure you do. So, you know, like hearing Phil talking about this, you know, like for me, there's an incredibly specific magic to a good B-movie. And part of it is the kind of somnambulistic kind of way of acting within it. But I was just curious, you know, um, for you guys, are you familiar with uh, Peter Strickland or the movie? I've forgotten the director, but the movie is called The Love Witch. Because mm. Strickland, he did, he was actually working with broadcast before Trish Keenan sadly passed away. So the Burbian sound film, That's right? Was one, he involved yeah. in that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. What, I don't know the one you're talking about. The other one, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I've I've seen Burbian. Yeah, and he did yeah, another one after that, uh, yeah. which is the Duke of Burgundy, which is I've heard of also that, yeah. fantastic. Elena Griller type film, isn't it? Is sort of BDSM sort of. Yeah, yeah very much and maybe even better than than those is the love witch and i can't remember the title uh, the name of the director but the love witch specifically is taking its cues from those kind of b movies and also has the budget where it can say i have seen it it was a female director wasn't it she's an yeah, american yeah, yeah, yeah. she did costumes and stuff didn't yeah. she i have seen that yeah it's, it's a fantastic and great film in my feelings I'll check that out. Yeah, it looks cool. I'm just looking here now. So uh, directed um, by Anna Biller. Yeah, that's 2016. That, yeah. Nice. Although, have you read any interviews with her, Ezra? Oh, no. Because, oh, when it came out, there were a number of people like Matt Kermod and stuff who were singing it to praises in much the same way that we we obviously would enjoy that type of film because of the, the aesthetic that it's referencing and the kind of its heritage in B-movies and stuff. She was, but she had a really, really different attitude to it, which I was dead surprised about, where she was like much more, I won't say pompous, but kind of straight, playing with a straight bat when she was talking about the film. So that's exactly where it should be. Exactly to her credit, I think. <laughs> uh, right, moving on. Alistair, it's your turn to bring to uh, bring something to the playlist to fight against your own choices. I'll go with the... Uh... That, that Rundellus one that you got queued up there, if you can find Planet Caravan on there. What are you going to put it up against? Ooh, I'll let you choose random. Random. Let's do random choice. Uh, going up against that Yona Kit song. All right, okay. All right. So um, let's have a listen to that um, Rondellus uh, Sabbath cover, Planet Caravan.
Very nice. your first um which one are you gonna pick you going for the rondellus uh sabbath cover or uh disembodied by yona kit well, i can't put a cover through could i <laughs> but the, uh, the, the, the rondellus thing is uh it's quite interesting i don't know if it's just, if they just did it as a one-off lie but uh i think the restonian it's all like Dolwell P's Black Sabbath songs sung in Latin, played on uh, sort of uh, Baroque type instruments like hurdy gurdies and uh, things like that. So very entertaining. And uh, Yona Kett on the fantastic Skin Graft uh, label thing. Jim O'Rourke's involved in that, along with the uh, I think it's Tabitha from uh, Melt Banana and uh, KK Null from uh, Zen Ajiva. And I'm not really sure no. whether it's um, Steve Albini recorded, but could be. It was recorded by Steve Albini. And so, Al, you're coming, you're putting the, the Yona kit one, you're keeping it where it is? Yeah. Aye, aye. Phil, which one of these two does it for you? I, yeah, it's not going to beat that Yona kit. I, I love that album, it's fantastic. It was a nice change of pace, that wasn't it? To have a little bit of sweetness and light, I guess, from those yeah. uh, analogue instruments. It's sweet. The Yona yeah, kit one's not my favourite one off the album. It's a little bit it's a little bit more low-key. I don't uh, know the Sabbath track, to be totally honest with you, so I couldn't really compare it. The original, though, um, it's dead chilled. Uh, it's not like a you know, sort of like heavy, heavy Sabbath. It's uh, more of a hippie-type tune. Yeah, it's off oh. from Paranoid. Which is what but um, it's nice. I really like it. I, but I'm I'm going the Sabbath one on. I'm all about a cover. Half of these songs on this list that you picked are covers, Al. I know, yeah. <laughs> nobody's nobody's even chosen the the um, Wings. Uh, what's the woman called who, you cho- who does the Black Sabbath covers? Oh, Wings. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she hasn't come up at all yet. She's got two on there. Abba. I know, yeah, yeah. Those are just beautiful. Yeah. Ezra, which side you're coming down the Sabbath cover or? Um, the owner kit. 
Well, it's funny you should mention wing because I would say Rondellas ain't no wing. It, it, it's a bit highfalutin for me, uh, to be quite honest. I would feel like I, you know, like I'd walked in on a dinner party with my uh, listening to that again. Uh, again, yeah, <laughs> it has happened. Yeah, the Yonikit track is maybe not the best one on the album, but it's still a nice piece of post beef hard- hardcore wrangling. So I'm going to go for that. Fair enough. So it's staying where it is and. We're going to queue up the next four or five Owl songs. We've got Bornhead by Naked City, The Balfour Brothers, La Danse de Mardi Gras, the theme from ITV school series Picture Box, and a Ukrainian's Smith's covers. And maybe I'll throw in that Omar Solomon song as well. Or Honkers. <laughs> Thank you. 
that naked city balfour brothers some kids tv stuff the ukrainians and omar soliman yeah you, you, you notice the funny games thing there because that was the song in the austrian film funny games which is a, a, a nice little family uh, pleasant film for for uh, sunday afternoon you know the balfour brothers i think that was in a, a film as well i think it was in sudden comfort that one it was set in the louisiana like in the in the swamps like and that's a nice example of some cajun musical of the way that they sort of like do the, the disarmy thing and the sort of the singing always sounds quite sad and melancholic picture box that was on a, a cd that uh, paul static gave me a few years ago it's, it's some french dude i think i can't remember his name jacques Lassery, I don't know the name, but uh, one of those glass harmonium things. Glass harmonica. That's what I was thinking. That, that spinning glass shape that you trickle water over and play with the fingers. There's this great YouTube video where this guy is basically showing a younger fella how to do it, and it's incredibly difficult because it's all about the pressure. 
and of course, if you put too much pressure on one of these spinning balls, it's going to break hmm. <laughs> and slice slice right into your finger. Sounds magical, though. Because it's powered by a motor, right? So you have to get the speed of the motor right to get the ball resonating. And so, so then there's this other whole whole other like kind of really bizarre trick where you know you you have to like hit the maybe the lowest note on a lower kind of speed and then if you want to play a chord to hit the higher notes you have to just kind of like edge it up uh when you know for exactly the moment when your finger hits the rim of the bowl incredible instrument unique and i think burying the song between like all those layers of wub as well is uh it's a beautiful sound i love the um omar solomon stuff as well that's getting on a bit now that track yeah well it's stuff uh, with the lad from fortet as well i think he's he appeared on a Björk LP as well done the rounds i think he's living in france now it's syrian right yeah yeah i met him before all the, the syrian conflict thing uh, some gig in leeds and got to shake his hand but yeah he's, he's done some like really really groovy stuff and he's, he's great live as well so if you ever get the chance to see him i'll check him out i just love the fact that he's doing his stuff Modu Mokbar they were on the, on the wire the other week and they were talking about how they had done a lot of wedding stuff that's what, exactly own. what he's doing there. it's, it's yeah. like emceeing at a wedding and that chap's whispering behind him while he's that, that's like giving out sort of like uh, shouts to people and things like that yeah, yeah. yeah he's whispering the lyrics into his ear <laughs> <laughs> he's walking around with his finger what Mark Smith would have done if he, uh, if he couldn't beat him right <laughs> it was a Syrian wedding singer should have um, we should all be wedding singers Naked City good stuff that's uh, Yamasuka Ai from the boredom singing on that one I think he's uh, he's no I really life. think it's good though I think it's terrible I fucking hate Naked City some of it is a bit cag yeah I think it's Torture Garden that one's from uh, I do quite like that because that's when they get the, the, the craziest I think uh, with the, the grindy hardcore kind of stuff and linked to Bong Water <laughs> because uh, it was put out on Shimmy Disc and Starts and uh, Shimmy Disc was Kramer's uh, label and Kramer uh, was in Bongwater with his missus it was an actress what's her name now I'm Magnuson yeah I mean mm. to me it just sounds like they got the vocalist from Boredoms to play over a bunch of session musicians you know just go and listen yeah. to Boredoms Boredoms are great and um, it's John Zahn and Fred Frith right and, and Bill Laswell mm. and it's, it's a Zorn is a weird take on the on the Avant stuff because it's quite clean and it's quite crisp, um, but it's noisy as well, and and it's really um, not everyone's cup of tea. I, I'm not a huge fan of. I have to be in the right mood to listen to his stuff. It's not messy, and I like messy noise. Absolutely, um, but it's very precise. Yeah, the Ukrainians. There's something to do with the wedding present, aren't they? Yeah, it's it kind of a spin-off from the wedding present. It, mm. um, they used to play. Yeah, the wedding present did appeal so where they just did like all of the songs in you know, sung in Ukrainian and uh, yeah just doing Ukrainian folk songs uh, it's like a 10 inch uh, with a really nice sort of like sleeve uh, that looks kind of traditional alright band it's quite a funny cover like of uh, Big Mouth by the Smiths nice and that's again, again like played on balalaikas and sung in Ukrainian so if the fall did cover versions with balalaikas and sang it in Ukrainian you might put it through yeah it'd be funnier <laughs> <laughs> Pip you're up next yeah so I wasn't that taken with that Ukrainian track to be honest with you I, I thought the Cajun stuff was really good but the, um, the Ukrainian one didn't really do much for me what I was going to throw into the mix is this one so uh, again from 1970 it's uh, Sylvie by
me Toiseau trois coups Bravo A peu Bébé trois gouttes Il est Mais c'est parfait A bim bim peu Bim bim T'abeille trois gouttes Bim bim Miel A bim bim peu Bim bim Chagrin trois gouttes Bim bim De vin J'y peux rien C'est la vie C'est la vie So it is going up against Kacharpaya incantation pump pipes. Simon Rogers there from the fall on on Pam Pine. Are you going to play the bit where Paul Simon sings? <laughs> so, what, which one do we like best? Do we like Phil's one? What was that called again, Phil? Salavi. Uh, Salavi by La Enfantable. Or do we like uh, the Pan Pipes one? Catch a Paya Incantation. Ezra, where are you going? Well, you know, I do love the French. Uh, I did like that track. I especially loved the way that, like, it conjured an image of in my mind of French lovers kind of plucking their pubes out and sellotaping them to a Valentine's card. But the chorus was a big letdown, I have to say. The incantation by Kachapaya, if I'm pronouncing that right, it just, you know, I mean, we didn't do it justice because we didn't play the whole thing, but it just builds and builds. And it, it it's, a, it's a beast of a track. So it's got to be that for me. Ah, so you brought this to the original table and then I'll put it on the list. Nice. Yep. Good, good. Alistair, which way are you going on this? Ooh, so it's a tough one because they're both like, quite different. And uh, I do like the way that the uh, Catch Pie does build up in it. It, it. it does get quite interesting. It, it, it is dead cheesy to start off with. Like, you know, it's one of those that we know from 
being a kid like he might have uh, bruised the chat somehow uh, but yeah the French one that Phil played was, was very nice as well I do, I do know it um, he does get a bit kind of Eurovision at parts like you know but it's, it's a good tune and there's some some nice sort of um, singing on there the, the, like the silly little high notes which are not quite Ima Sumat, but... Eurovision it, it, like it's a bad thing, <clears throat> No, because there's, there's like a certain sound that's quite nice, you know, like uh, King Charity Shop record buyer. You know, I'm, uh, I've got plenty of stuff that's uh, got that kind of like cheese to it. But I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with the pan pipes, I think. Interesting. So, Phil, you're obviously bringing yours. And um, I'm also going for yours. So let's let's toss a digital coin. Which one do you want, heads or tails? Tails never fails. Oh, tails never fails. So, so oh. Phil gets his enfant terrible through. In your face, Aspinall. <laughs> it's, I'm going to play now songs from the first four T-Rex albums. Bolan had such a way with melody. All he needed was um, some words about unicorns an acoustic guitar and some bongos. My brandy tongue was like a caterpillar thing Susie hung up on Joan of Arc Gladly gave me the key to the dark Scraping the lights from my bed I saw we were teleported into his head Wormy blood train expected our feet But I cradled Susie's head on my lap And featured the scares to her gap and led her off the astral plane Sculpting her features in flesh Her eyelids eyes scanned the mythical scene And rose on the veiny snake train And prayed to his bastille sky brain Lionel Lark was an alchemist Pete, hidden in rose petal pointed shoes Walked into the mighty grove And his never-ending stream of merriment Soared and gushed niagarally through the wonderful kingdom but, even as quick as it came, it had ceased. His wise eyes became beacons of true light. As the piggy bundle tumbled from the blessed heavens, the leaping elf hastily harnessed his beloved tame nightingale and made for the point of ejection with a heart of many carrots. Entangled in thorns and briars was Kingsley Mole, his snout sticking high in the splendid air. Tents of zodiac folds cascaded over Lionel's larkish dome. 
Despectacled, he moaned into Kingsley Mole's eyes and cursed all flying machines doomed to rely on the fickleness of piggish bladders. The two saddened creatures trundled from their rosebush prison and lay scarlet and fatigued in the escaping afternoon. Beasties of the beasties, but the beasties just live in the wild. There was Chateau in Virginia waters, scenes of dynasty, Romany soup, read by the John Peel before he was a scouser, and finally Oregon blues. Any of those tickle your fancy, or are you a, not a bowling fan? Not a huge bowling fan. I prefer Donovan, I think, <laughs> when it comes down to that kind of stuff, more of a, a groove. He knew his way around a melody, and I, like, I just like the, the vibe he gets going, He's considering he's only got a couple of couple of instruments going on there. Ezra? My knowledge of Poland goes about as far as 20th century boy. These, I guess, are all off his earlier stuff, which I've read was very much a psychedelic, swinging 60s affair. And uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was nice enough. I think the bongos are an incredibly criminally underrated instrument i love my bongos even though they don't exist this first problem is really playing around with just the limits of a couple of instruments but uh, sweet sweet stuff right so we'll wrap it up there i'll play a medley uh, to fit to see us out this is uh, al's final choices of the evening and they're good choices so to think We'll finish up with Fantomas, the Omen, uh, Julian Cope, Sunspots, Coupe Majidi, Afriquia, and a couple by family favourites, Anal Cunt. Sanguis. <laughs> 